We're going to look at this from the Amplified Version, beginning in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, and in verse 7. Now, we've been talking since the beginning of the year about greater glory. We have equated the word glory with the word presence. So when we're talking about glory, we're talking about the presence of the Lord. And last week, we talked a little bit about how that we can connect with the presence of God. For the presence of God and the glory of God is not just for huge evangelistic crusades where people receive healings and get miracles, but His presence is for our daily walk. Thank God for His presence in and on our lives. But now, let's just uh, look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. I'll read from the Amplified Version. It says, Now if the dispensation of death, speaking of the law, engraved in the letters of stone, the ministration of the law, was inaugurated with such glory. Did they have glory? Did they have presence in the Old Covenant? And splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance, a glory that was to fade and to pass away. And in verse 8 it says, Why should not the dispensation of the Spirit? That's the dispensation that you and I are under right now. We are under the dispensation of grace. We are under the dispensation of the Spirit of the living God. This spiritual ministry whose task is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit. Man, don't you want your life to be governed and controlled by the Holy Spirit? To walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit and to even speak in the Spirit, to worship God in the Spirit. That's an awesome life, ladies and gentlemen. Governed by the Holy Spirit, to be attended with much... Now notice that word, everyone say greater. greater. So with much greater and more splendor glory. One translation says it this way. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory or presence under this new way that the Holy Spirit is giving life? So we don't want to go backwards. We want to move forward. Now, thank God for the old covenant. Thank God for the law. And thank God for the things that we can learn from that. Amen. We can learn wonderful principles from the old covenant and from the law, but we're not living under it. But, oh, I am so thankful for the types and shadows that I can glean from it. Amen. So, in verse 9 now, the Amplified says, For if the service that condemns the ministration of doom had glory... How infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes the righteous, the ministry that produces and fosters. Now notice this. What kind of living? Righteous Righteous living and right standing with God. Now I want to stop right there. When you saturate your life in the presence of God and you draw near to God and live your life completely committed to Him, you will live right. Thank you for those two holy amens and those several thinking about that. No, you will live right. The enablement for you to live right will be automatic. You won't have to strive. You won't have to push. You won't have to press. The Spirit of the Lord will help you to live righteously. Verse 11. 
For if that which was passing and fading came with splendor, how much more must that which remains and is permanent abide in glory and in what? So in verse 12, we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation that we speak freely and openly and fearlessly. So what this is saying then, because of the glory of God being made available to us, we have a confident, favorable expectation that His presence goes with us, His presence is in us, His presence is all around us, and it enables us to live fearlessly. And it enables you and I to live confidently. We don't want to live any other way, do we? Say it with me, I'm living fearlessly, fearlessly. and I am living confidently by the presence of God. Now notice verse 13. In verse 13, and by the way, we've got two new projectors coming, so thank God for that. Amen. 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 Verse 13, it says, now we act, nor do we act like Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the Israels might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor which had been upon it. In fact, verse 14, their minds were grown hard and calloused, and they had become dull and had lost the power of understanding. For until this present day, when the old covenant is being read, the same veil still lies on their hearts, not being lifted to reveal that in Christ it is made void and done away. Amen. Verse 15. Yes, down to this very day, Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their minds and hearts. But, here's good news. Whenever a person turns, whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, what happens? The veil is stripped off and taken away. Man, is that good news? Say it with me. Stripped off. And taken away. Oh, glory to God. Verse 15. Yes, down to this. Well, verse 16. And then in verse 17. Well, let's read verse 16 again. But whenever a person say, I've turned. The veil is taken away. And stripped off. You see, where we once were blind. Now we can see. Where once we had darkness in our lives, now we have light. Where once we were defeated in our lives, now you and I have victory in our lives. Where once we lived a discouraged life because the veil has been taken away and the glory of the Lord is in us and on us and all around us, we are so very encouraged in the Lord. Where once we were sinners, now we're new creations. Woo, glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now notice this in verse 17. This is shouting ground here. And it's okay to shout anytime you want. Verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Come on somebody. There is liberty. There is emancipation. Well, you know, from bondage, emancipation, that's it. 
That's what I was trying to say. Emancipation. <laughs> from bondage. We are truly free. We're free from condemnation. We are free, glory to God, from insecurities. We are free. And whom the Son has set free. You're doing pretty good. Now notice this in verse 18. And I want us to read this together because this is so rich. Ready, read. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured to His very own image in ever-increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another... Thank you, Lord. And so continue, saints. Continue in the Word. Continue to look into the perfect law of liberty. For as you look in the perfect law of liberty, you will find out who you are, what you have, and where you are seated in Christ Jesus. The Word of God has not been given to bind. The Word of God has been given to emancipate. The Word of God has been given to to set free. So as you meditate on the golden truths of God's word and hide them in your heart, these glorious truths will rise up on the inside of you and affect your mind. It will affect your body. It will affect your relationships. God's word, when it is put first place and made final authority in our lives, makes all the difference. It stands between us and annihilation. It stands between us and calamity. God's Word is first place in our lives. Say that with me. God's Word, His Word, is first place in my life. Now remember now, last week then, we talked about connecting to the presence of God, and we looked at various ways that we can do that. And we looked at several scriptures that talked about presence. For example, in Psalm 16, in his presence there is fullness of joy. In Acts chapter 3, that by the presence of the Lord, there can be a revival that takes place in our lives of fresh air and also a recovery from heat. Amen. So today I want to look at a few more of these areas of our lives whereby we can connect with the presence of the Lord. And I want to say this, first and foremost, if we're going to connect with Him on a regular basis, there needs to be some quiet time in our lives. Every day, spend quiet time with God. Every day. Stay in touch with the God of spirits. Is he not the father of spirits? In Hebrews, that bears that out. God is a spirit. Amen? But you also are created in the God class. So you're a spirit. I'm a spirit. Amen? So to connect with the father of spirits... He's made us in his likeness and given us several avenues whereby we can connect and commune with him. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. 
So, connect with Him. Stay in touch with Him with your own heart. Place your hand on your heart and say this with me. I'm a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a physical body. I connect with Him, the Father of hearts, with my own heart. Connect with Him. Connect with Him. With your heart. With your spirit. Now, I want you to turn, if you would, and look at Proverbs chapter 27. And notice with me in verse 19. Proverbs, the 27th chapter, and the 19th verse. Now, notice this. He says, as in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. Now, that's a little blind to us, isn't it? I mean, it's a little blind to me. If I just looked at that verse, I'd really have to get real insight and revelation on exactly what that verse is saying to me. So thank God we have other translations that makes that which might be a little blind to us even more clear. And I'm going to read a couple of those to you, and you might want to write some of these thoughts down. One translation says, just as you can see your own face reflected in water. Just as you can see your own face reflected in water. I grew up in Minnesota. That's the land of 10,000 lakes. That's why they call the Los Angeles Lakers the Lakers because they came from Minneapolis. They stole our team and they stole our slogan. But I'm getting over it. But at any rate, yeah, you can have them. But in any rate, with that many lakes, you know, on a still day, you go out to the lake, maybe in your little boat and do some fishing, and you'd look down in the water, and it was so clear and so still that you would see your face. So as in water, just as you can see your face reflected in water, so your heart reflects the kind of person you are. So your heart reflects the kind of person you are. Still another translation that makes it even more clear. As in water, face reflects face. As in water, face reflects face. So the heart of man reflects the man. Is that true? You know, whatever you have in your heart is going to show up. I mean, if there's ill will towards someone in your heart, or there's strife in your heart, or unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, it's going to show up. Well, how does it show up? Oftentimes it shows up in our words. Or it can show up in our actions. Just as water mirrors your face, so your face mirrors your heart. Just as water reflects a person's true face, so the human spirit reflects a person's true character. Do you see why it's so important to hide his word in your heart? 
I thank God he did not leave you and I on our own. I thank God that he furnished us with the love to love one another with. I thank God that he furnished us with the joy in the midst of a test where we can rejoice. The Bible says that out of your heart flows the issues of life. That's Proverbs 4.23. That's why he says, keep that heart with all diligence for out of your spirit flows the issues of life. Whatever you put in is going to come out. Amen? So what we're saying here, to connect with him, stay in touch with your heart. Stay in touch with him. How many of you know that much activity with no pause, much activity with no pause can lead to spiritual dullness and confusion? Just going here and going there and, and never taking time to, to tend to your spiritual life. It can cause us to become dull spiritually. And it can bring confusion into a person's life. Now, I've discovered this in my own life. That the more I connect with him, the more I'm able to ward off the fears that come against my soul. The more I am connected with him, the less insecurities and fears dominate my life. Now, in 2 Timothy 1.7, I just want to insert this into this message so you can see it clearly. The Bible says, for God did not give us a spirit of what? Fear. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and what? Power, power love, sound mind. A sound mind and power and love are come as a direct result of you having the spirit of faith in your life. An unsound mind getting in strife and a lack of power come in direct correlation to the spirit of fear operating in your life. Did you know that even though God didn't give us a spirit of fear, it's possible to yield to a spirit of fear? And I've discovered this, that there is a direct correlation between the spirit of fear and an unsound mind. There's a direct correlation between the spirit of fear and having our mind confused and being extremely dull. Because what fear does is fear penetrates, if you will, the city of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And if you're not connected with God and saturating yourself in the presence of God, and you are not hiding His Word in your heart, you'll have no spiritual power to ward that off. Come on, somebody. And so then, as a result, all of this confusion... All of this inability to make decisions and all of this wavering and wondering and up one day and down the next comes directly as a result of fear operating in our lives. But oh, faith displaces fear. The word displaces doubt. The word displaces confusion. This is the victory 
that overcomes the world. Say it with me. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Let's qualify that. Our faith in his word. Our faith in a faithful God. Our faith in his ability to keep us sound in every area of life. Amen. Are you still here? So this one is really important to us. To stay connected to God. Every day spend quiet time with him. Look over at Psalms 46. And I want you to notice this one. Psalms 46, verse 10. And we're going to look at it in the Amplified Version. A lot of times, you know, you can just quote these verses. And it's great to be able to quote them, but it's also great to be able to look at them. That's where he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Did you know that's why the teaching of the word is so important? Because what the teaching of the Word does, under the spirit of revelation and anointing, the teaching of the Word informs us. But it also inspires us. Now notice this in Psalm 46 and verse 10. He says, let be and be still. Notice before that, we can be still, there are some things that must be left alone. Or left in His hands. Let be and be still and know and recognize that I am God. Hallelujah. Let be and be still. Another translation says this, and you can keep that up there. Let go of your concerns. Would that be one thing to let be? Would that be one thing to put over in his hands? Are there ample opportunities for concerns in our lives? The Bible says that the cares of this life will enter in and choke the word so that the word of God becomes unfruitful. So he says here, let go of your concerns, then you will know that I'm God. The message says, step out of the traffic. Step out of the traffic. Or life in the busy lane. Step out of the traffic. And take a long, loving look at me. Will one promise out of the promise box get it? Will just going to him in the morning and giving him your prayer list and saying, see ya. Will that get it? That's not taking a long and loving look at him. In your time of quietness and in your time of stillness, just behold him and love him. Just lift up your voice and say, Lord, I love you. Hallelujah. So he says here, step out of the traffic. Take a long... Loving, look at me, your high God. Now, the voice says it this, and not the show the voice, the voice translation. It says this, be still, be calm, and see, and understand 
that I'm the true God. Wow. Be still. Be calm. There is great value in unloading all of your weights and cares upon him. It will bring the calming effect of his presence into your bedroom, into your car, into your place of business. But not only that, remember this, that is the doorway into seeing some things. I said, that's the doorway into seeing some things you've never seen before. Or being able to have understanding of how to do something the Lord's been leading you to do, but you haven't seen how you've been able to do it. In his presence, he will unveil and unfold and give you sight and give you vision for your life. Oh, hallelujah. See. 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 Be still. Be calm. And see. I believe that as my spiritual father said time and time again before he left this earth, when he was traveling throughout the land holding holding one and two weeks Holy Ghost meetings, one of his biggest desires was this, that people like me and people of our generation and under could really see a manifestation of, of the Spirit of God. So that it wouldn't be lost. And so that the churches wouldn't be reduced to a social club. So that the church wouldn't be reduced to a group of people that have a form of godliness but deny the power. It was his desire. Any, any man of God that I look up to Like T.D. Jakes, for example. I don't have a real close relationship with T.D. Jakes, but I know he's the genuine article. And one time when we were down in Los Angeles during that emphasis on the Azusa Street several years ago, they had several meetings all over the city. And at West Angeles Church of God in Christ, where Bishop uh, Blake is, who I believe is the head of Church of God in Christ now, they hosted a meeting with T.D. Jakes. And here's what his message was. Let's not lose the power. Let's not get so religious. Let's not so be dogged determined that we got to get our sermons out that we miss the ways of the Holy Spirit. Are you here? Do you want a Holy Ghost church? Do you want a word church? And a church that learns to flow with the Holy Ghost? So that was the desire of Dad Hagen. That was and is the desire of T.D. Jakes and men of God that have been around for a period of time. And one of the things that Dad said before he left, he said this, that the spirit of seeing and the spirit of knowing is going to come upon the church. Glory to God. Count me in. I want that. I want to see what I've never seen before. I want to know what I need to know. May the spirit of seeing and spirit of knowing come upon all of us. But it won't come by living a carnal life. It won't come by living a natural life. It'll come by doing some of the things that I've been teaching you along these lines 
Be still. Be calm. And then you'll begin to see some things. Put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, I'm here this morning because I'm serious about my relationship with you. I pray that the eyes of my heart would be flooded with light. I walk in your presence and you bring glorious light unto me. Come on now, that's good news. (laughs) Be still. Be calm. That means don't be nervous. And understand that I am the true God. Now let's look over James chapter 4. And notice with me in verse 8. James the 4th chapter, the 8th verse. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. And this is not just for a chosen few. This is not just for my men and my women that stand behind the pulpits across this land. This is for everyone who has made me their Lord. Everyone that has called upon my name. This is for you. Point at yourself and say, this is. This is for me. Now notice with me in James, the fourth chapter. And I wanted to, to notice in verse 8, uh, James 4, 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. Well, now that you're in Christ, you're not a sinner, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But how many of you know that even though you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you need to live and operate and flow in that continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus? And any time we violate that fellowship, we need to get right back underneath it. Amen? But he says here, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. The thing that the Lord really put in my heart is this. In order for me and you to draw near to God, we're going to have to draw away from other things. Okay? And some of the things that, that, that we need to draw away from are not necessarily sin. Let me show you what I mean. Look at over at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first verse. In order for Pastor Mark to live what he's preaching, there are certain things that needed to be cut out of Pastor Mark's life. Okay? Now, I don't need to tell you what those things are because really it's none of your business. Any more that is my business than what you need to cut out. It's something that's between you and the Lord. Now, if we can help you do that, we'll certainly will. Amen? Amen. We, we, we care to the degree that we're moved with compassion. But notice with me in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says some things here. Um, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... What is that great cloud of witnesses? That's your, your relatives that have gone on to be with the Lord. That's your friends that have gone on to be with the Lord. Let us lay aside. Now notice this is my responsibility and your responsibility. Let us lay aside every, say it with me, every weight. And then he says, and the sin. Now if weights were necessarily a sin, wouldn't he just include the weights and the sin in one category? To me, yes. So he says, let us, 
My responsibility. Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, what do you do? If your eye offends you, you do what? You pluck it out. That's our responsibility. So he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. And the sin. And the sin. But notice with me, weights and sins, which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, what? Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, it's the Olympics right now, is it not, in Sochi? We like to watch the Olympics. I specifically like the Summer Olympics. And I'm really amazed at the fortitude and the diligence and the training that these young men and women go through. All I can say is, wow. But in track and field, oftentimes in training, what they will do, in addition to diet, in addition to weights, in addition to several things, what they will put on their ankles is they will put weights on them. And what those weights do is they weigh them down. And they may run with those on for a period of time. But then when it's time to run the race, they lay aside the weight. Why? Because they want to run their race to obtain a corruptible crown. Well, you and I in this life are to run our race to obtain an incorruptible crown. And just like a boxer, Paul said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means while I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So, just as Olympic runners have weights on their ankles and lay them aside, there are some things that I know that have weighed me down in the natural. There are some things that you know have weighed you down in the natural. Not necessarily sins, but those things that weigh you down and keep you really from running your race at full speed. What are some of those weights? You have to answer that for yourself. What is a weight? What is that which is holding me down? Listen, I believe the plan of God for in this life is for us to go through it light and easy. How many have ever been on a treadmill before? Okay, these treadmills now, they go up to 30. They used to be like 15, and that's high. But some of them go up to 30. I've had them as high as 22 and 23. And I'm not walking very fast, but it's like walking uphill. It's like a weight. But then you bring it down to zero. Oh, man, you're feeling light. Some of you need to lighten up. And I'm not just talking about lighten up in your personality. But there's some things in your life that perhaps you need to lay aside in 2014. So that you can run your race with patience. Thank you, Father. Mm -hmm. Father, right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I stretch forth my hand toward these. I pray that you'll take this word that we're hearing this morning and cause faith to rise up. Lord, let this not message not be a message of sorrow and guilt and condemnation, but may it be a message of liberty emancipation and freedom because on the other side of laying aside those weights oh man there is joy unspeakable and full 
of glory. Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. To do so, we must draw or move away from some other things. Worry is something that will weigh you down. Well, worry is a sin as well. How about what are we spending our time with? What's consuming our time? We live in a very, very busy society. But did you know that you have choices to make every day? And that you can choose the thing that is needful for you? Amen. Choose the one thing that is needful for you. Some of us need to get some things off of the menu. How many know if you go to a a restaurant and they've got cornbread and beans only on the menu, there's no more choices? Well, what are we going to have today? I guess we're going to have cornbread and beans. That's what's on the menu. Well, I'll tell you, God's got a menu. Make the right choices. Let the Spirit of the Lord cause you to soar in 2014. May His presence, I'm going to pray for you right now, may His presence saturate your very being, spirit, soul, and body. May the Spirit of the living God bring liberty and freedom into each life in the name of Jesus. Oh, but pastor, that's hard. That's difficult. That, I can't do that. As long as you talk that way and think that way, you'll never be able to do it. That's right. But talk and think like God would have you to talk and think. That by God's grace, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. By the grace of God, I can lay aside those weights. Amen. And I can move in to this race of life yeah. under God's glorious grace and make it to the finish line. How many of you want to make it to the finish line? How many of you want, I mean, you want to go all the way. You want to go all the way to the finish line. And you want to hear, well done. Well done, son. Well done, daughter. You served me. You were on church on time. You found a place of ministry. You brought your offerings to me. You were a good mom. You were a good dad. You were a good papa. You were a good Grammy. You honored me. And because you honor me, I will honor you. There's nothing more blessed in our lives to have the honor of God all over us. And the number one way I believe that he honors us is we make it perhaps when others don't. But we also are honored with his presence.